This is Bloomberg Business Week from Bloomberg Radio. I'm Jason Kelly. And I'm Carol Master. Welcome to the Bloomberg Business Week Extra. It's our weekly podcast bringing you an in-depth interview you will not hear anywhere else. Remember the Bloomberg 50? We were celebrating yes. that in just the past couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, we caught up with one of the members of that list, the CEO and co-founder of Beyond Meat, Ethan Brown. So Barclays forecasts that meat alternatives will be a $140 billion market worldwide in the next decade. And Jason, this may explain why when Beyond Meat debuted as a public company in May of this year, shares soared, making it the best IPO since the financial crisis. It really took off. It's also why the company and its CEO makes the Bloomberg 50 list this year. And that aforementioned CEO, Mm -hmm. also the founder and president of Beyond Meat, Ethan Brown, he joins us from Los Angeles. Ethan, first of all, congratulations and thank Thank you for joining us. I appreciate being here. Thank you. All right. So let's do a little bit of a look back on 2019 because it feels like there were several big inflection points. As you look back, even going beyond the IPO, which I know everyone loves to talk about, what were the business inflection points for you? You know, if you look at the growth of the business from 2009 to today, we've always had the same goal in mind, which is to become a company that can provide protein for the center of the plate for the mainstream consumer. And so if you look at particularly our third quarter this year, whether it's the McDonald's tests we announced, the Subways, um, or uh, KFC, or Dunkin', all four of those were really important to us in terms of being able to communicate the message that we have, which is you can build a piece of meat directly from plants, you can provide it to consumers where they enjoy eating their food, and you can do so in a way that enables them to continue to eat what they love, giving them a more nutritious, something that's better for their bodies and better for the earth, and doing it in the formats that they're familiar with. What about this year surprised you the most? What was the most challenging? You know, it always is around continuing to educate not only the consumer, but the media around just how healthy and uh, how much our company is driven by the human health imperative. If you look at the products we're creating, take the Dunkin' uh, sausage, for example. That product has 50% less fat. It has 44% less saturated fat. It's 37% less sodium. And it has more protein and more iron. So when you're beginning with a blank canvas and you're able to build a piece of meat directly from plants, you can leave out a lot of the things that you wouldn't want to be consuming on a daily basis, such as cholesterol. And you can lower things like saturated fat. And you can provide the consumer with a very healthy product that they get to enjoy, yet continue to move the ball forward year over year and making the products healthier and healthier. So as we get into 2020, you'll see us continue to drive toward goals that will enable the consumer to eat what they love, but do it in a way that's healthier for them. Well, let's talk about that, because I feel like that comes up often about maybe this becoming even a healthier product, because there is still a fair amount of sodium and so on in it. Do you guys think about doing some kind of reformulating to lower calories or a lower sodium amount? Is that kind of in the future? So if you look at the DNA of the company, we are an innovation-driven company. We uh, produce uh, all of our products uh, here in the U.S., and we have our our innovation center here in in Los Angeles. We call that innovation center the Manhattan Beach Project. We do that because we're near Manhattan Beach. But more Mm -hmm. importantly, we wanted to evoke that sense of urgency and scale that occurred in the Second World War with the Manhattan Project itself. We brought together the very best scientists, the best engineers, the best managers, and gave them a clear goal, which is to build meat directly from plants. Now, when you're doing that, you're always improving. And we have these parameters, we call them fat, flavor, aroma, appearance, and texture, 
where we're constantly driving toward making the products better in each area. And nutrition would, of course, be part of that. But it's also about marketing and helping people understand the products. So if you look at the Beyond uh, Burger, for example, that has 16% daily value of sodium, not 60, but 16%, which is well within reason for many, many meals that folks will consume, such as two flour tortillas or half a cup of marinara sauce, et cetera. So a lot of it is just separating the misinformation and hype from reality. This product is an extremely healthy product. It's one that I consume almost daily. It's something I feel very good about giving to my own children. And so it's really about let's educate consumers about the health of our products and about the process. We're very proud of our process. If you look at how we produce meat uh, from, from plants, instead of running a lot of plant material through animals and the antibiotics that go with that or the hormones, depending on the species, the veterinary drugs, et cetera, what we're doing is taking that protein directly from the plant. We're running it through heating, cooling, and pressure, and that resets the bond so that they take on that fibrous texture of muscle. That's it. For me, that's a much better process and one that we can be proud of. Mm-hmm. And we offer complete transparency. You'd be welcome to come to our facilities, knock on the door, and we give you a tour. People should be able to see where and how their food is made. And we believe very strong in that principle. And so, Ethan, speaking of a different sort of process, walk us through the process of assessing these partnerships. You know, you name checked some of the best known when it comes to, you know, fast food. You've also got some partnerships in casual dining. How does that work? Because pun intended, it feels like everybody wants a piece of this market right now. Right. So you always want to align yourself with the marquee players. and, And that's what we've done from the beginning of the company. So when we decided to go into retail, Way back in, in 2009, the first company we called was Whole Foods, and then we've been able to proliferate out through Kroger, et cetera. But when you, then you look at our venture history, the, the first venture firm we worked with was Kleiner Perkins, and now we have a great list, including Great Point Ventures and many others. Um, but if, if you're now uh, looking at the fast food space or the quick serve restaurant space, you also want to adopt the same philosophy. Who are the marquee players, and how do you become uh, – of service to them. And that's what we've been able to do, whether it's McDonald's, uh, whether it's Subway, uh, whether it's KFC or Dunkin'. We're constantly looking, Carl's Jr., Hardee's, et cetera. We're constantly looking to serve the very best partners uh, in the space so that we can grow with them. What's the focus? Is it retail or food service, or will it be a 50-50 split going forward? Our focus is entirely on the consumer. It's our relationship with the consumer that makes the, the business so special. We listen to what they say. They told us no GMOs. They told us nothing artificial. They said keep everything natural. So that's what we do. Um, and that makes it harder, by the way. We, it would be much easier to genetically modify plant material to make it uh, uh, take on the, the texture and appearance and aroma of, of, of animal protein. Right. But we won't do that. And so we're constantly uh, focused on what the consumer wants. We'll meet the consumer where they are. So if it's, if it's, uh, it's quick-serve restaurants, we'll be there for them. If it's retail, it'll be for them. So right now, it's about 50-50, and yeah. the market will tell us which direction they're Okay, going. so it could change going forward. Yeah. All right. And sure. so, Ethan, when you think about the test, let's just talk about McDonald's for a second. What have you learned so far? Because obviously, that's from a volume perspective, but also from a brand perspective, something that everyone, investors included, have been looking at very closely. What have you taken away from that test? So I had the great privilege of being up in the uh, Ontario area uh, a couple of weeks ago, and I drove out to uh, McDonald's there and um, I went to three different stores and had the burger at each, uh, at each location, and they were identical and delicious. It was a fantastic experience for me, and one that was um, very satisfying. It's a goal I've had for a very long time to be of service to McDonald's. Um, it's going very well. I think you heard the CEO of, of McDonald's Canada say that. Uh, we can't comment further than what they've said publicly, but I'm very enthusiastic about that relationship and our ability to grow the partnership. Does it expand then to the United States? 
That's up to them. Um, but what you want is a great test, and, and I think we have every sign that that's the case. All right. So let's talk about some of the different products because there was a lot of excitement, uh, including in my household, when you got to Duncan. <laughs> We're big yeah. mobile app uh, users there. And obviously, that's a different sort of approach in some ways. Not the least of which, just because you're talking sausage and instead of burgers, uh, the sausage market, as it were, has been described as a really huge opportunity for you and for others. Why is that? And what are you seeing as you look at the sort of the different modalities of Beyond? Yeah, so I, I, thank you for asking that question. It's a really important one, not only to our business, but to the global protein uh, supply. Um, you know, I came out of uh, the fuel cell industry. And the primary focus of the business that I was with uh, was around automotive, and it was around replacing the internal combustion engine. And what you find uh, what's happening today uh, in the protein industry is that it, one of the core uh, sources of protein uh, from animals uh, has taken a severe supply hit. And so if you look at uh, the ch- Chinese market, I think it's about 50% of their herd is going to be destroyed mm-hmm. based on the, um, the uh, flu virus. And so... Uh, if you think about that, if that had happened, and that's about 25% of the world's supply, if that had happened in the automotive sector where all of a sudden you know, 25% of the internal combustion engine manufacturing capability went down overnight, you would have seen the U.S. Department of Energy and many other world uh, energy agencies go after with a concerted plan about how to bring forward some of these alternative technologies. We are doing that today with my company in this industry if you're such a supply shock, we should be able to take advantage of that. So we are very focused on pork, not only here in the United States, but globally. Let's talk a little bit more about China. China accounts for about 27% of the world's meat consumption by volume. Um, they already eat a lot of plant proteins, and they kind of look at meat as a, a bit of a status symbol there. What's your approach? What's your expectations for China? Uh, you'll see us um, be very aggressive there. We are aggressive in each market that we yeah. occupy, whether here in the United States, mentioning, again, those partners with McDonald's, KFC, Dunkin', Subway, et cetera. Um, uh, you'll see us uh, move with speed um, and exploit the, the first mover advantage we have globally in terms of building the brand that's most closely associated with the plant-based meat movement. Um, so I can't disclose anything particular, but you can guess that uh, we're very excited about that market um, and, and very active in, in our plants. All right, let's talk a little bit about chicken, if we can. Uh, big chicken fans here as well. kind of hungry, uh, I'm just going to tell uh, you. Seriously. I mean, the, the KFC test, as it were, uh, down in Atlanta, I believe, is where that was. Yeah. It went gangbusters. How soon can you sort of get into that market in a meaningful way? So you'll see some exciting things from us uh, in the poultry space in, in 2020. I can't name specific partners or, or developments, but... Um, you know, we look at three core platforms with beef, uh, pork, and poultry. And you can see consumers pulling off very quickly of beef and, and pork. Uh, and you're also starting to see some uh, uh, pressure around uh, the poultry industry. So um, we, we've done a lot of work there. You'll see uh, the fruits of that in, in 2020. Hey, consolidation. I'm just curious because I feel like, you know, this market went from Nobody talking about it to, bam, you guys have your IPO. And then all of a sudden, it seems like smaller players, larger players, everybody is getting involved in it. How do you see this market kind of playing out? Is it like a Coke and Pepsi market going forward? You know, what I am most focused on, uh, and this is something that we had to repeat quite a bit throughout the the IPO uh, roadshow, uh, is there's nobody in the world who wants to replace Beyond Meat products on the shelf uh, more than me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we have... Uh, an appetite for innovation um, that I think is bar none. 
the, the goal is every year to replace the current products we have with new, improved versions, whether the, the flavor, aroma, appearance, texture, the health claims, et cetera. And so while we are aware there is competition out there and that many, many partners or, or, or companies, rather, are entering the market, uh, our focus is on that true north of building meat uh, directly from plants and doing it perfectly. And we're getting closer every year. We've been at it 11 years now, and, and we'll get closer in our 12th year and 13th year, et cetera. Um, you know, but I do think it's important to note, and there's been a lot of discussion in the media about this, that just because a large company intends to come in and capture a significant market share does not necessarily mean that's going to happen. And I think history is replete with examples where uh, there have been those fears uh, when a, a disruptor is coming along and they haven't panned out. And so we are very focused on executing against our mission, uh, and, and I think the rest will take care of itself. Ethan, elsewhere on the Bloomberg 50 list, there were some notable uh, influencers, as it were, very influential people out in the world. You guys have leaned into this notion of influential folks kind of signing on the the Go Beyond campaign, I believe is what it was called, launched earlier this year. Help us understand what's underneath that, especially at a time when people love this notion of authenticity. They want to make sure that their values align with the people who they are following, quite literally. And I just got to throw out some names because Bill Gates has been a backer, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, um, former McDonald's CEO Don Thompson. I mean, you've had incredible people and then a lot of celebrities as well. Yeah, it's it's been um, very purposeful. Uh, If you um, look at the history of the company. Um, when I was growing up, the Got Milk campaign was a, a very big deal, and I had some exposure to to the dairy industry as a kid. Um, and uh, you know, that was around you know, Bo Jackson, Derek Jeter, et cetera. And the message there was to parents that if you feed your, your uh, if your children are consuming milk, they'll grow to be strong, healthy, et cetera. Um, and in my case, uh, with our products, uh, that is true. Uh, that you 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 can. And if you look at movies like Game Changers, et cetera. Uh, you can affect even individual day performance uh, from a student athlete, for example, uh, through the consumption of our products over over animal protein. Uh, and so what we wanted to do was convey the message that you can not only uh, flourish with our uh, our products, uh, it, it, yeah, but you can, over a longer period of time, uh, avoid some of the uh, chronic disease uh, that is so prevalent in our in our communities. And so we wanted to get athletes out there who obviously depend on their bodies uh, for mm-hmm. their paychecks and for their day-to-day performance and have them tell the story. And so I, I hired uh, Jeff Manning, who uh, was the um, principal at um, the California Milk Board, who kicked off the, the original uh, Got Milk campaign many, many decades ago. Um, and then a woman named Beth Moskowitz came and joined our company and, and brought in uh, the, the ability to tap into uh, this intersection of sports and culture, which is so important to us. We believe that our products uh, will make you feel better, perform better, and have a longer-term health prospect. And we wanted to have uh, the very best of our communities in terms of athletes convey that message. And the, the notion about something being genuine is so important, right? We don't just take anybody who comes into our influencer program. We really look to see, are they living a lifestyle? Uh, do they believe in, in what we're doing? They don't have to be vegan, uh, but having them uh, lean into uh, this diet and the principles behind it uh, is really important. And once you do that, you don't have to create deals that have um, milestones, et cetera. You just let them go do what they do best, and they bring us along with them. And so whether it's Kyrie Irving, um, 
uh, Chris Paul, et cetera, so many of these terrific athletes, they're adopting our products uh, in their training regimes and they're seeing great results uh, along the way. And so then they go, go out there and speak about it. That's the best way, in my view, to market is find people who believe in what you're doing and work with them to tell the story. All right, Ethan, one last question for you before we let you go. You know, you've talked throughout this interview in a very personal way. You, know, you talk about what you feed your kids and even when you're talking about the folks that you're working with, from a partnership perspective, this does feel like a very personal mission. I do wonder what you've learned along this very interesting year as a CEO and as a leader uh, of a company that really is about a lifestyle and sort of who we are. You know, it's, I'm very grateful to be in the position that I'm in. Um, this is much more than a business. Um, it's something that uh, helps people lead healthier lives. Um, it helps uh, I think address some of our largest environmental problems uh, globally. Um, and so to get up every day and be able to go into an office and, and work on issues that are so important, not only to me personally, but to the world, uh, is a privilege. And so uh, this year, I think we were recognized by the markets uh, for mm -hmm. what we're doing. Um, you know, and we don't believe uh, that this is a, a short-lived uh, trend. Uh, this is something that has very long legs to it. Um, if you think about what we're doing, we're not suggesting that people don't eat meat. We think that'd be a big mistake. You know, I grew up eating meat, I love meat, I love fried chicken, I love burgers. The idea behind the company is to provide a better form of meat, right? To provide meat that uh, provides all of the delicious satiating experience that we've come to love, uh, but does so uh, in a way that's healthy for your bodies and, and healthier for the earth. Um, you know, if you look at what the mobile phone did in relation to the landline, nobody had to denigrate the landline. And we don't think we have to denigrate animal protein. We simply have to provide the consumer with a new and, and better choice and let them make the decision. And if we're successful, right. uh, more and more will sign on with us. And that's Beyond Meat CEO Ethan Brown. Look, this is a company that is in the middle of so many megatrends. It's essentially a lifestyle brand. Yeah, and this is why he's part of the Bloomberg 50 list. But I also think this is going to be a big story for 2020 as well. You've been listening to Bloomberg Business Week Extra. Be sure to tune into Bloomberg Business Week Radio live Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio. I'm Carol Masser. And I'm Jason Kelly. This is Bloomberg. <laughs> 